Hi everyone. Welcome to the Elemental Heart Wisdom Podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me. I am your host, Mara Elaine O'Grady. And these dialogues explore all things related to nature-based spirituality, earth wisdom traditions, cosmic consciousness, and the mystical healing traditions. These are conversations to inspire and activate your inner light and your inner sight in these evolutionary times on planet Earth. Today's guest is Jeffrey Weeham. And Jeffrey is a celestial wisdom holder of the Andean Incan holy mountain tradition in Peru, as well as a really beautifully grounded and wise guide to navigating the challenges that we each face as humans. Jeffrey shares valuable insights in our conversation today about the awakening process and the peak mystical experiences that many people may go through on this path of human evolution and really how to integrate those experiences into everyday life and that that is really where the true work, the true inner work starts. I really loved this transmission from Jeffrey today and received great benefit from what he shared and I really hope that you will too. Hey. So welcome everyone. I am here with my friend Jeffrey Weeham and today I want to talk to him a little bit about the tradition that he is part of as a celestial wisdom holder of the Andean Incan holy mountain tradition. And really all that he brings and bridges with individuals and groups around embodied heart wisdom and bridging these ancient principles from the Andean tradition and also, I think, and believe other traditions that he studied under through the years. So I've had the great privilege of just coming back, uh, well, in December from a retreat of his in Holland, which was so beautiful and heart opening and healing for myself. And I really advocate for his work in groups in terms of how we really uh, need to come coming back to our, our hearts in within ourselves and healing our our wounds and our shadowy spaces and also coming back to each other in community. Um, and I really valued that retreat and have also benefited from his beautiful online moon gatherings twice a month, which have been pivotal during the last few years in particular. And I also wanted to speak to him a little bit about uh, a film that he he uh, created, which really touched me deeply back in 2013, 2014, which was uh, Wisdom Keepers Paco Andino, I believe, which is about that tradition and the beautiful people that hold and caretake uh, uh, that tradition in Peru. So welcome, Jeff. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Good. Delighted. We finally get to sit and record. I, I, yeah. I tried to get you two years ago and then I kind of jumped off the radar myself for a while. So it's it's a joy to be here with you and yeah, just to dive into the heart and to see what is present. So I yeah. Really interesting for the last two years because humanity's gone through such a an upheaval that has shown us. Uh, so many things and I like to think we can find the light in the middle of all that darkness and that's really mm -hmm. our I think our work is to be those bed alchemists and not approach things from the mind so much as as you mentioned you know get into the heart and to yes. see what's actually there because there's always the light 
often disguised and waiting for us to discover it. That's so true. And and the many ways that we can hide from that light within ourselves is uh is something I'd like to dive into you in with you about as well. But sure. I think I think first just just to give those who don't know about your work just a little a little uh, touching on the tradition that you you bridge from um in the Andes and um the sacred life principles that you're bringing to people in the West here as well. Sure. The Andean tradition or the Andean Incan tradition goes back to time immemorial. It's one of the original lineages that goes back prior to the Great Flood or the Deluge, when the tectonic plate shift and continents went up and other ones went down. The Andes used to be a seaport down at the bottom of Lake Titicaca, and then it was thrust up to 11,000 feet. <clears throat> it was one of the places where the wisdom was stored um, from ancient traditions, and it's the seat of the Sacred Feminine Mystery School. So it's an ascending cosmology, which is from the ground with solid roots establishing a foundation and then growing your tree very tall to connect with heaven, as opposed to sitting in a state of separation and praying to something to come save you. So it really speaks to how we we don't follow a teacher, we don't follow a guru, we, we find the light within ourselves and it's an individual soul signature. And so the maestros or the lineage holders, they're jobs or our jobs is to help facilitate people to find that and navigate the blockages and the psychosomatic and the psychospiritual blockages so that you can really learn to do alchemy and dive deep and open yourself through your life experience so that the soul can express itself and have experience which gains knowledge and the knowledge is carried and becomes a wisdom keeper and then that's passed down through the generations so it's one of the few uh, lineages left in the world that was never broken. The conquistadors tried to interrupt it in the 1530s. And at that time, the Pacos, as we're called, went to the far extremes of the Andes at 5,000 meters and lived in isolation for over 400 years. So about 425 years until they started to see the signs and the signals, which showed that the, the galaxy was coming to a certain place we were going through a very charged particle cloud, and we continued to do that all the way up until 2016, which caused the vibration or the energy of the solar imprint to cause the waters to melt. And everybody screams about global warming, but it's a solstitial um, cycle that happens every 90,000 years. So when the Pacos saw this, they realized it's time for the wisdom that's stored in the ice crystals in the glacier to come down out of the mountains and be hidden amongst the people or to become you know, activated within our consciousness to become every day. So for me and my introduction to it, I was invited in and trained and initiated and then given the task to go into the West and use my Western upbringing to find touch points or bridges to speak in certain languages so that Christian or Islam or scientific or any type of community can relate to these principles without them feeling alien or uh, untouchable, you know, because oftentimes people go in with this projection of, oh, it's this thing that's up over there and it's so difficult. And my whole thing is, well, let's let's make it so practical that you fit it into daily life. And that, because you know, they feel like there's no point to having a mystical experience if you can't bring it home and introduce it to your family and, you know, inform how you make your dinner and how you create your life. And I think that's really the part 
that we're missing is we've lost touch with these codices or sacred life principles that teach us to live holistically, to live in right relationship with all things, to live in a collective consciousness outside of fear, outside of duality. And it takes a lot of courage, a lot of creativity to create a new object out of a pile of Legos that's been shattered. And, you know, so we have something called the Panchakuti and that's the overturning and we're going through it right now. And you can look around and realize that our forms of governance, our forms of corporate structure, our education systems, the pharmacological industry, all of these things aren't working. And so that's that Lego structure that breaks apart onto the floor. And then we as people can come together and create new structures out of the old. And um, I simply think that given the right tools, the intelligence that we carry innately, and maybe a little guidance, we can we can do this. And that's our responsibility right now. Thank you. Yes. And that's actually perfect. I, I wanted to speak about what you feel our personal responsibility is at this time of great shift, you know, mm-hmm. because I think so many people are just trying to stay afloat in in such a chaotic time and, you know, to, to add in that they need to be focused on a specific self-responsibility for being here. Um, maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Sure. I mean, I could relate it right to the elementals. If you're a monkey in a tree, you know, metaphor intended, the crazy monkey, the mind screeching and hollering, oh my God, the sky is falling. The nuclear war is going to happen. This is going to happen. Right. All this distraction that's driven by the media and Mm -hmm. forms of control. If you're up in that tree and the wind comes a blowing and you start to freak out, you learn to either freak out and die or you learn to trust the tree and hold on to it and the tree being the tree of life right so mm. it's giving us a time for example with social distancing you have to stay two meters apart six feet apart well in that case our energetic field is at our arm's length so if you were to stand arm's length arm's length with each other you're outside of each other's energetic fields as opposed to being co-dependently mixed into them so this shadow time or this isolation time gave us the chance to not process other people's emotional stuff. It gave us a chance to not get distracted by going out, going away, going shopping. And the hard part of it, the shadow part was, boy, I got to look at myself. I'm really frustrated. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure about this relationship because I've never spent so much time at home with the person because I'm working from home now. All these manifestations that people struggle with have turned and people have noticed one, it's easier to work from home, you know, because I can eat my food. I don't have to buy extra clothes. I can show up on a Zoom call wearing a nice jacket and pajamas. <laughs> you know? and, and two, companies are starting to realize, why do we rent all this office space and require people to come down when they're more efficient at home? So those are kind of basic superficial levels. But on the mental, emotional, spiritual level, energetic level, it's given us a vision quest time where we, you know, have come home to ourselves and confronted what doesn't work. And oftentimes that's difficult. So if you look at it, the stage of consciousness, we operate generally in what I call unconscious incompetence, meaning we just don't know what we're doing. Right. And then when we become aware of that, we shift into conscious incompetence and that can be really tricky because he doesn't like that. And we're really afraid we're rejected if we don't look proper and we get all dolled up or whatever it is and put on a story or try to get there. And 
in that place, we can come into a time of self and self-responsibility, ownership, and say, wow, I realize that in my actions, I'm harming myself. I'm harming others. I'm feeling dejected. I have low self-worth, so I try to evaluate myself in different ways, putting on masks, and yet we're covered by masks, right? So all of this stuff is up to show us through the darkness where to find our light, and our light lies inside that, as I was saying, I believe, where we then say, what is my value? Do I really need to show up in a codependency or can it become interdependent? Do I really need to put myself first and be selfish? Or can I put myself in a way where I'm self-full so that my cup can runneth over, so to speak, so that I can provide the energy that's excess so that I'm fulfilled instead of trying to do everything to get someone's approval, which leaves me codependent and in shatters. So there's so much we can talk about this, but I think the basis of the experience now is to not be able to avoid what's really there. And if we do avoid it, then what I call the allies of consciousness step in. And those are heartache and disease, car accidents, fire, flood, you know, you name it, whatever's going to come through and wake you up and, and get your attention. So I would say now we're kind of in the time of revelations where everything that's been hidden is coming to the surface. And there's a lot of lies and deceit to keep us under control. But really, we're at a time where we can look inside and take responsibility for ourselves and show up as a collective and say, how do we want to organize ourselves? How do we want to feed ourselves? What structures do we need? So it applies to every aspect of our lives, but it starts within. And that's the cosmic joke, you know, when the creator created humans, he asked his angels where they should hide the secret of the universe. And they all agreed that they would hide it inside the human because they'd never think to look there. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's hard. And I think that's the need. And these ancient lineages have literally been waiting for thousands and thousands of years to bring information forward at a time where humanity was ready to receive it, Mm -hmm. where humans moved from power pursuits to truth pursuits. And I think we're there. Yeah, I think we are definitely. Thank you for speaking to that. Mm-hmm. I I definitely feel, you know, these older traditions and particularly here in Ireland, you know, that that connection with landscape. And I'm sure in your in your tradition with with the with the Apus or the Holy Mountains, right, that these are um, guides that bring us out of the mind and mm-hmm. and 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 really into the experiential journey of what it means to be um a biological form on this planet as well um how do how do you relate to um those elemental spirits like what do they mean to you in in your life elemental spirits are a form of consciousness to me that represent an archetype of an energy or a form of consciousness so if you can think of it in terms of there's a oneness but like a rainbow, when it's put together in light form, it creates white light. So the elements occupy an aspect of consciousness. The trees occupy the apus, the fairies, the, the gnomes, everything occupies an aspect of consciousness that has different responsibilities. And so just like there's the spirit of the earth, which has been known as Gaia, she's transitioning as well. And, and so there's a new one coming in called Karela that 
is the new earth. And the interesting thing that she said is I'm no longer mother earth. I'm actually your sister now. So it's your responsibility to stand up as my sister and my brother and take your responsibility for this new earth. And that completely goes to the idea that we've gone beyond the guru tradition. It's not to turn into become like someone else, but it's to use all of our environment, including the elementals, including the apus and all of their guidance to receive information, to learn how to ride our, our bicycle, so to speak. Yes. And so all of these spirits and guides are like parents that are got their hands to make sure you don't fall down until you figure out how to ride in balance. And when you do fall off, they're there to help you get back on. So in my life, I didn't grow up with any religion or really any spiritual touchstones. And I was really lost, although I had a very deep uh, drive that I didn't understand inside of me. And so as I came in contact with these, these forms of consciousness, they helped me to understand um, what's really there and guided me through um, different experiences. When I first started having mystical experiences, it was very confusing, very, very confusing, mm -hmm. isolating, alienating. I didn't even know I could speak to other people about it. And through time, different maestros and different spirits, I'll call them, showed up literally in physical form or in in various forms to kind of point the way. And I just have grown to cherish them because they've always got my back. And, you know, I think the for all of us, the hardest part of the journey is letting go. Mm -hmm. Because when we let go, we're afraid we're not going to have, or we're going to be vulnerable, exposed, in danger. And the truth is for me is that our vulnerabilities are strength. And we only learn something new when we're in territory we have no clue what we're doing yes and yet the mind will say no i have to maintain control i have to even go into cognitive dissonance and deny what's being said to me because it conflicts with my survival strategy so much and so for me these elementals and these spirits are just there kind of like go on you can do it you can do it you can do it go go ahead go 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 and sometimes they just you know give you a nice firm kick in the ass and push you out of the <clears throat> nest and, yeah. Go on. It's time. Oh, yeah. I've experienced that many times. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that's that's so true. And I, I I see so many people waking up now um, and, you know, these waves of, of younger beings on the planet that have access to the spirit world and dimensions of reality that perhaps we didn't or waves of our, our generations didn't. And that can be confusing and scary, particularly with so much noise going on from media, AI, all of these different dimensions. Um, so how would you speak to, and what you do so beautifully in your work, grounding these mystical experiences or these experiences with other realms into the every into your everyday life? That's a good question. I, I think, first of all, we have to make space in our life. And that can be feeling isolating, especially after all of these uh, lockdowns, isolations, and things that we've gone through. And as I was mentioning, it has put us in a place where we can get on the internet all day long and find distraction. We can do yoga to find distraction. We can meditate to find distraction, mm -hmm. you know, because if all we're doing is sitting there silently, we're just in the preparatory phase of what that is actually trying to get us to, which is to tune into everything that's going on. So for me, I had to go through a very often difficult time of letting go and surrender and be in the discomfort of that 
seemingly empty space so that it could be filled by something more profound. And I can relate that directly to our consciousness, to my consciousness, because my defense and my protections and my arrogance and my narcissism and my everything was simply trying to protect and have success in some way in this world without getting hurt. And it's not until I've really came into difficult challenges. And some of them were tests that were put in place by the lineage to see what I would do with it, that I started to catch on and realize, oh, I have to open my hand out of my fist before I can receive something. Mm -hmm. And that's the sacred feminine, right? The sacred feminine is receptivity. And if we're growing up in an industrialized culture, that's all about protection and, you know, fist bumps, which I deplore. It's, it's, you know, how do we get to this, right? Or how do we do this, right? Or how do we do this? And that takes a lot of retraining. And it only, the thing that's hard is that I found and I experienced with clients and students and friends and myself, all humans, no matter where we come from or what geopolitical or financial strata we live from, it's, we're trying to protect what we have because we have been brought up in a fear-based, separation-based paradigm. And so to get home, to get into collective unified consciousness, we have to be willing to face the fears and to kind of like Star Trek, boldly go where no one's gone before. And that's called a way shower. And then if we look at the way showers in our history, they're the ones that have been subjugated, that have been crucified, that have been put in jail because they're talking nonsense, conspiracy theorists, whatever. And I think in our own humble way, we have to simply allow ourselves a space to experience something that we're afraid is going to be a certain thing from a place to the heart so it can be something that it truly is. In other words, that person who's yelling at you or yelling at someone else is simply coming from a lack of love and they're expressing that frustration, right? So if you approach them in opposition and anger, you're justifying their position. You're strengthening their position. You're, you're condoning it in the sense of like, or colluding with it rather and saying, yeah, keep fighting me. Or if you show up open hearted, you know, and you bow with a keto and just let it fly over your shoulder and you say, ah, you know, you open an opportunity for someone to have an experience they've never had before. And oftentimes that's more scary than fighting. And so we're in this really interesting in-between time where our limbic response and our knee-jerk response and our survival skills and our trauma responses and our trauma bondings are all still very active and loud voices. And so for me, over time, I've had to develop an objective view of what Jeff is doing from the eternal self that sits up here and overlights it and sees and says, oh, you know, this little boy is having such a temper tantrum because he's just so afraid to be hurt and yet all he wants is to be loved and so there's a reckoning there's a there's a there's a trial there's an error there's a you know there's a life path in there and you know one of the things that helps i find is these sacred life principles or codices that are based on holistic living that give you the basis for how to engage the world around you and invite it from a place of innocence and yet mm-hmm. ignorance, you know, which is not scary. And yet it can be. Yes. So it's a, it's a really big question. And I think the answer is 
the principle is the same for everyone. How we all get there is very different. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel, you know, nature plays such a great role in that, in, in finding a way to stay rooted and connected with her uh, in these times. Mm. And and for, for you, which we spoke about before coming on the call, these the, the ways in which we block are through our limitations, through our mind chatter, through our stories and conditioned beliefs, how we really block ourselves from uh, blossoming into our true selves, you know, in this time. Do you want to speak a little bit to that in, in the trickery of what's involved in that with the mind? Sure. I mean, for a lot of people, I mean, we all suffer with cognitive dissonance, which is the idea that you present a, a piece of information to someone that so challenges their worldview that the mind automatically goes into denial, deflection, defense, projection, and then will actually what I call mix the salad and take the words of someone speaking and reconfigure them in a way that matches the protective mechanism and then regurgitate it out, demanding that you apologize for saying something you never did. And the misinterpretation and the configurations of survival strategies so that at base we can just survive. And I remember an elder saying years ago, you know, Jeffrey, people do anything just to survive. And I've had to deal with it in numerous ways from my 13-year-old not wanting to take responsibility as a young man and just go hide under the skirt of his mother and, you know, avoid me to colleagues or relationships just adamantly, vehemently saying, oh, you're gaslighting me. And I'm like, I'm not actually, I'm not gaslighting you at all. I'm simply speaking to an aspect that you're unwilling to consider because it threatens this safety mechanism that you built from the lifetime that you lived. And so we can, we're really good at configuring things to fit our story and then finding people to collude with those stories, you know? And so what I find is um, over time, everything comes around. It may take a week, a month, a year, a lifetime. But like walking in the forest, if you spook a deer, it'll run away from you. And my Apache teacher said, just turn 90 degrees and the deer will always circle around to come back to figure out its soul, will come back to figure out what spooked it. And I found that in human terms, just recently a, a, a past acquaintance of mine that I hadn't spoken to in four years had finally come around, you know, the sun took 10 months to come around, you know, there's all these laps and it can be frustrating when you recognize what the person is doing, mm. but there's really nothing you can do other than to accept that their unfoldment in any given situation is their unfoldment with their spirit and with God, so to speak. And if I get in the way and if I try to save them or I try to lighten their load, their mindset, their evolution of their consciousness will then go out and find more tension and more troubles because they have to learn to process it themselves. So for me to try to take on the suffering of another is actually interfering in their soul's journey. And that's something that's really, really hard to do, especially when it's loved ones, Yeah, you know, and it's like, now it's like, okay, you're going to do that. That's the equivalent of driving your car into a brick wall at hundred miles an hour. But if that's what you feel like you need to do, you know, we have to deal with that and say, blessed be, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I can't censor what you listen to because you're just going to go out and listen to it more, but I can certainly sit with you as you listen to it. And I can share my opinion and trust that you'll come to your own outcome. 
and I hope and I pray that it won't be too painful and it'll mm -hmm. be swift, but I trust that we're all going to get there regardless. So, you know, again, a very big question. Yeah, of course. And it's our personal journey of our soul's evolution to the point where ideally everything becomes an expression or a signature of your soul. Everything is connected in this way. And then we're in the center place in our hearts and then we're in providence. And then we can bow to the guy who's yelling and say, I understand you're having a painful time here. Yeah. I'm not going to give you an opposition. I'm not going to give you a reason to be mad. I'm going to invite you into love, knowing that that could be the most frustrating thing because then you're going to have to actually give up because when you respond in love, shadow, entanglement, confusion, darkness, evil, whatever you want to call it, has to rise to meet you or leave. And in that way, when we stay in love and call in that protection from the elementals, from the spirits, walk with me through the valley of death on my way to the temple of light. Mm -hmm. You don't get affected by the hurricane that's around you because you're the, the calmness in the middle. Yes. And, you know, that can take decades to perfect, lifetimes to protect. But yeah. why else are we here, you know, in my opinion? Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I think also we need a lot of, and the reason I do what I do is because I needed a lot of help mm -hmm. to find myself and I was struggling. And then when I was initiated and brought in, you know, I'm the first Westerner that's been brought into the tradition. So they're like, you know, there's a lot of people in the modern world that go explain this. And so it brings me so much joy to just offer these concepts, experiences so that people can, oh, this is what this feels like in a safe container, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And um, beautifully spoken to. Thank you. It was not too long winded, but <laughs> no, that's well, and that's it. I think we it speaks. There's so many dimensions of that really in in, you know, how we observe ourselves in that dance of meeting those resistance resistances in ourselves and also the places where we choose to stay in pain and suffering because it's it feels familiar and safe when it's actually mm -hmm. killing us, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's why we're, I do the community gatherings online because we have, you know, 50 to 70 people each time. And I would say at least 15 countries, you know, yeah. and people watching it all over. And it's that touchstone where myself, I can touch down with a group and I can relate to people that are, feel like kin to me. And I've heard so many people say the same thing. This is my way I can, come back into my world and it feels chaotic, but it gives me a, a, a station. And, yes. you know, even in retreats, you do a retreat. It's the preparation. The work happens when you get home because we just slide into the warm bath of old ways of being. And before we know it, yeah, I've lost it, you know, and in the, the tradition, when I was training, they had me go back and forth to the Andes every six weeks so that I would purposely get lost get frustrated, cry, yeah. you know, have a temper tantrum, <laughs> seek guidance. And that's the third stage of consciousness, conscious competence. Now I can learn how to do it for myself. And I can look at these masters and they can show me and then they'll say, now go figure it out for yourself. And the tricky yeah. part is sometimes that's... in some traditions, they'll give you false information on purpose just so you get mad at them. So you'll kill the teacher. Oh, so yes. you have to take care of it yourself. And that's confusing as heck. And so <laughs> 
It's not, it's, it's called a razor's edge for a purpose, you know? Oh, oh yes. Oh yes. The spiral path and the spiral path that brings you off on all sorts of other tangents <laughs> and loops. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. 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 Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot in that. And I, I really, as one who is kind of a solo journey or I or I prefer that's the safe method um, coming into a group and I know the power of group group dynamics I feel it's so important right now um, to to really find the right container um, to be held and to be loved and to be able to uh, meet these spaces with 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 kin as you spoke to you know and I know that you beautifully provide that and I've experienced that um but yeah, I mean, how would you, uh, what, how, the group work and then the solo work, like both of them are important. So it's how do you mediate both of them? I think we're we're communal creatures by nature, you know, we're, we're animal at base. And then yeah. yet we're an individuated soul in consciousness, a point of light of the everything. So the group work is very important because when we're afraid or embarrassed, or shy or any of those types of things, afraid to be seen, afraid to be judged. The container, what we call the IU, the spiritual family, holds a space where anything and everything can occur. Temper tantrums, crying fits, anger, you name it. But it allows us to express ourselves in a manner and be accepted by a format that's being held in healing as opposed to the reactivity or the trigger of someone else who's had a long day and frustrated and snaps back at you. And sometimes I'll just simply talk to the person over here by looking and talking to the person over here in the opposite direction so that they don't feel the pressure of me talking to them. And ironically, they'll say, Oh my God, it felt like you were talking straight to me. And I'm like, I was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've seen that in action. (laughs) So you, you do that so that they can come to their own conclusion without the defensiveness of someone looking right at them. Yeah. And so there's many, many, many dynamics there. And we have, I think at base, we've grown afraid of each other mm-hmm. and we've isolated and COVID has helped us to realize we're just desperate for touch. We're just desperate to be held. We're just desperate to sit next to somebody and yeah. So the group work allows that and the group trips that we do in different parts of the world, you go and you experience at a very individual level, your connection with spirit, with the elementals, with the tradition, with the, the stuff that's coming in with you. And yet you're held by the container that is yes. collective. And so it's, it's both. And mm-hmm. in my journey, I've had plenty of those out in the desert for weeks at a time or in the mountains solo. Um, going up the holy mountain to receive an initiation, just me and the spirits. And those are all important too, sitting under a tree for an entire day and just checking in. Um, I've come to really value that. In fact, if I don't have alone time, I don't have enough quiet. I don't listen to music per se in cars or at home because it's another frequency. It can actually be a frequency that's disrupting because it's tuned to 440 hertz as opposed to 432 hertz right so there's all of this stuff to deal with um yeah i think it's a combination to answer your question yeah and they're both equally important yeah i agree 
And while you touched upon there the traveling to different countries, um, I'm I'm a passionate uh, sacred site journeyer and experiencer of all of these um, well ancient places, ancient landscapes, and places where our ancestors would have uh, communed with the stars, these celestial portals and uh, repositories on the earth. Um, I I spoke to you before about, you know, traveling and, and going to these places and how it's really not necessary on a level uh, to to evolve, but um, that really it's about accessing the sacred site within. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe you could speak to your experience of, you know, facilitating on a different land space with different um, overlying guardians and, and the power and potency that brings to the healing. Mm -hmm. Sure. I, I, again, just like the last uh, bit of the conversation, it's both. So for yeah, me, yeah. When I'm in a temple and it's all based in sacred geometry. The mm -hmm. resonant molecular structure of the stone or the circle of trees or the cave or whatever it is, just last week's in Egypt in the temples there, they're created in such a way to enliven and lift the human DNA, to activate the DNA to crawl into the middle of the sarcophagus in the queen's chamber. It's an initiatic room that is in direct alignment with the stars. So there is something very real that happens in those places. When you go to the sacred mountains in Peru, we go there because it's the house of the holy. And I'm not talking about the Led Zeppelin album. I'm talking about the, the place where, you know, sacred yeah. pilgrimages happen since time immemorial. Yeah. And there's a resonant value there that electrifies your being initiate your being going and being baptized or submerged into sacred lagoons that have been struck by lightning the molecular structure of the water has been attuned to a certain frequency that supercharges your body and also helps to break free the plaque air so to speak or the sedimentary layers in our sides yeah i think in addition to that like you mentioned we can go there anywhere and it's funny because my child just got a vr headset and you can literally travel using these headsets. So I'm going to see if I can go back to Europe or to Egypt. <laughs> to Egypt. <laughs> go, go into the VR realm. But when we can travel inside, then we become self-productive and not reliant on other sides. So what I find is a, in my journey, my Western mind was limited to me so much that I decided and was invited to go out into the deep Amazon way back in the day. Mm -hmm. And that's not too long ago, you know, 15, 20 years ago, and work with plant spirits in the sacred container where they grow, not in some apartment in somewhere. I've done that too, but yeah. it's a completely different thing. But one of the things I find now is that people are looking for an experience to change them. Mm -hmm. That's a codependency. People are not realizing that when you go and you work with psychotropic, for example, all the distractions and all the beauty and all the colors and all that's also all distraction. The work is to get inside and do the work of getting in yourself mm -hmm. and really throwing off the other stuff. Sure. The journeys show you a lot of things. Absolutely. But so many people become codependent or even addicted to the festival, the hair, the dress, the changing the name, the, all of that, because it, it's a stage of independence to move away from, the family constellation that caused the problem, the abuse, what have you, the trauma. So there's a new identification, but we have to understand that independence is still a form of separation, independent, right? So now we find ourselves in a place where we evolve to freedom and sovereignty. Mm -hmm. 
And then from that place, you can go and engage the person who's screaming or the person who fell down so long ago and, and created an abusive situation for you and forgive and allow and set them free from your own judgment and your own entrapment and definition of who they are and what they did to you. Mm-hmm. And that requires us as a soul to take self-responsibility and realize that I incarnated. And for the first 28 years of my life till my Saturn return, I chose situations so that my soul could evolve. And those situations look like this. And I had to learn how to do this. Right. And if I just keep right. doing this fist bumping, everybody, I'm going to miss out on this. And I really want that relationship with the father, the mother, the ex, the whatever, the whomever, the wherever. But it's up to us to get past ourselves and start allowing those relationships to show up in a new way and one that we've never experienced before. And that's growth. And that literally, Master told me long ago, think of the light that comes into your body as your soul stream, as pure white light. And then through your incarnational experience, you choose to have certain limitations, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, in order to find the light again. And when you find the light and you bring it to loving presence, that initial light becomes light squared. It becomes more intense. And he said, quite simply, that's the way the universe expands. And it's up to each of us to do it. And it just blew my mind because I was still thinking in terms of I'll get there and I'll be individuated and me, 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 me. And then when you go into the, I am, I am this person yelling at me. I am this person that also did that in another life as a soul. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned through time, and it's just my experience, is that we incarnate and we experience both sides of the perpetrator and what's called the victim. But the problem is most people stay and defend their victim mentality because that's the only thing they know because they just want to be safe because they don't want to experience it again. And you wind up recreating it. And so that's some of the things we speak to and explain in some of the recordings we have is how that all works. So you can literally understand the operating system and then update it. Hmm. Yeah. A lot there. There's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's it's layer by layer, you know, remove when you are in that victim place, finding forgiveness, grieving for the parts of you, you know, really meeting the energy of 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 those traumas uh but not staying in the story of those traumas and and recycling those traumas you know it's 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 such big work um but i feel we're doing it more and more people are doing it which is phenomenal to see you know Um, and i think sometimes we need to go to those sacred sites to have those experiences to charge our batteries so to speak so that we come back into the home front and be like oh i'm going to not confront this, but I'm going to engage this. Yes. I'm going to invite with my presence and my silence, a space for someone to sit down next to me so we can finally have that conversation. Yeah. Because whatever happened long ago and spooked that deer, so to speak, I think it's time. And, you know, some people say, oh, I can't wait till these lockdowns are over. So things get back to normal. Well, normal was the problem because normal had become abnormal. And we had grown so separate and so afraid and so competitive. And yet these ancient traditions, like in the Andes, they never lost it. You know, that when they make decisions, they're making decisions based on everybody's benefit. There's absolutely no separation at all. And it's even hard for us Westerners to understand that. 
But when we have immersive experiences, we have a working understanding. We feel it in our, our tissue. Yes. And that's oftentimes because it's hard when we come home and then it's absent. Well, then it's, you're the point of the spear. Now create that in your community. Invite somebody over for tea. You know, get online into a group. Find a touchstone. Yeah. Continue to flower in your community and one by one by one by one, that new era, that new dynamic flowers. And it, it mm-hmm. takes courage. It takes a lot of a lot of patience and a lot of intention, a lot of all that stuff. So. Oh yeah, it does. It really does. And it it's connectivity, really. It's that tribal connectivity that we've we've totally lost sight of yeah. um, on yeah. so many levels. You know, but little by little, it's 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 ha- it's coming, it's happening. You know, um, but do we need tragedy and all of these other things to happen? It for for you know for that to happen is the question. Yeah. I, I think we're so blinded by the, the distraction that you know, even the condition in the world today, we're going to see major events come up to a, a point of utter terror done on purpose Mm -hmm. so that maximum awakening can happen because we've become so entrenched and zombified, so asleep, so unwilling to even speak to somebody who has a different political opinion, has a different religious upbringing. You know, we're so far at the extreme of separation that we can't go any further. We can't kick the can down the road. We've run out of road. So now we have to sit there and say, okay, what next? And, to get the masses, what I've heard is about 10 to 12% are awake, mm. 20% or more to 30% are aware of what's going on. Yeah. But there's a chunk of about 60% of the population generally here in the United States that just is blowing with the wind, meaning that whatever is the latest color, that's the color they want. And so they're fence sitters. They're, you can even think of it as a soul that is still dealing with basic constructs of survivability right. and aren't looking at the bigger constructs, you know? And so that's a big influential group. And then there's probably 10% at the end that no matter what happens, they're just not going to believe anything other than their entrenched position. You know, the ET can kind of walk through the front door and they'll be like, oh, you're not even here. And so yeah. we got the full gamut, I think, of, of all have. that. You know, I think very, very strongly that it's so important that we nurture ourselves we have community for ourselves and we feed ourselves so that we can show up for others because otherwise we're just drained and angry, right? Yeah. We're yeah. frustrated. We're, we're sick and tired. Absolutely. And, uh, so we're really at this eye of the needle and you can't really take much through the eye of the needle. I think you can just take your essence through. Hmm. Beautifully said. Yeah. You're talking about some big concepts here. I <laughs> it's know. Like, it's like, <laughs> This is, you know, this is the the full enchilada, so to speak. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But it's time. It is time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's there's no holding back. You know, it really is. You make your choice now. It's a it's a definitive choice point in how you navigate um your your future reality, really, um and and what you're what you're choosing. And it's important to pay attention to that. I feel. So Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really important to add, comes to mind is this idea that we want to grow progressively and in a linear fashion and get more and more and more. But we have to understand, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that there's always these whoops and falling down into the caca and 
in yeah. Quechua, caca means ego, right? And you fall down into that and you compost it and you sit in the noble place of humility and you say, ah, I have no idea what I'm doing. Look, I just stepped on your toes. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Yeah. I love you. And then you, you get back on the horse, so to speak, or you bring that component to the light. And no matter how high you get with the light, we always have to realize that there are aspects that need attention. There's other, oh, I've done that work. Yeah, but have you done it at this octave? Have you done it at this octave? And, you know, time being a spiral, we are in the seasons being a spiral, we're always going into the reference of trust or letting go or wisdom or new beginnings. And we're doing it at new levels or new dimensions. And so I think it's really important to trust that if things are falling apart, there's a reason for that because something new of a, of a higher conscious needs to come out of it. And yes, that analogy, the Lego castle that we built, maybe it's time for it to fall apart and put back together in a different way. Yeah. And that takes yeah. guidance, instruction and faith intention. Lots of tears sometimes, you know, yeah. lots of yeah. feeling like failure. But when I hear, you know, let's say the best people in sports or athletics talk about failure, they say, I wouldn't be a great athlete if I hadn't failed so many times, if I hadn't had to pull myself up and learn how to do it better. And I don't think in our Western culture, we give a lot of space for failure mm -hmm. or we think we're making a mistake or we're afraid to make a mistake. And even as a man, you know, mm -hmm. towards a woman, I remember my partners saying to her, you know, I can feel a resistance in myself because if I don't have it together, then I will be rejected. And she just looked at me like, are you crazy? All I'm waiting for you is just to come sit in my arms and let me hold you as you cry yourself, you know? And yeah. I had no idea, mm. right? no idea, you know? And then that forms a love, a trust, a bond, an extension, an expansion of consciousness. Yes. And when you talked about people you know, triggering from trauma response. What if you were just to sit there and listen to someone say something, get so triggered and go into cognitive dissonance and fight flight freeze mechanism, and then watch that circus spin around and then lay down next to you, that person or sit down next to that person or stand next to person until you realize, oh, wait a second, that's just my reaction. How do I want to respond? Okay, I'm going to trust you. And it scares the living daylights out of me, but I want to know you and I want to have this kinship and I want to trust the goodness and the light of your heart, even though you're not, a, I think you're trying to control me, that you're belittling me. You know, I'm not belittling you. I'm just speaking of the third option that lies outside of yes and no. Mm -hmm. And you have to get really creative in the third option, which is taking all these Lego pieces and creating some other structure altogether instead of looking in a manual or some religious text or something and doing it that way, right. how do you do it from your sovereignty mm. collectively? So that we're conscious of everything around us. What are your needs and what are your needs and what are your needs? So we can be a cooperative again. And that's how these ancient traditions have always operated cooperatively, you know, right. not socialism, not communism, not capitalism, not, none of those isms, mm. you know, it's, we're a tribe. Yeah. 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 And it's simple and naive in a way, and yet it's so true. And when enough yes. people 
step off the bus and say, I think I'm going to walk. And we all walk to use Ram Das expression. We're all walking each other's home. Yeah. It's so simple. It's almost too hard, you know? Oh, and- yeah. Yeah. The simplicity of it and the actual stripping back of all of the noise, all of the ego identifications and who we think we should be, who we think we are, all of that. Like, that, yeah, yeah. I think that that annihilation into the abyss for yourself, like how you meet the death of yourself and how you midwife yourself then through the portal, so to speak. Um, yeah, I mean, a, go ahead. yeah, no, no, that's go ahead. I say there's a Buddhist teacher named Ajishanti and he has a really beautiful line in one of his books that I love. It's basically, you know, enlightenment is not a about getting better or being nicer or prettier or any of that stuff. It's a complete and utter destructive process. And just hearing that's like, why would I ever want to? do that I'm fine. <laughs> i'll stay asleep i'll stay here safe in all my story yeah it's, or even like the matrix movie where the, the guy who sells them out says just i want a steak and a bottle of wine and i don't want to <laughs> remember anything just put me back in the matrix because there is that area where you come out and you're like oh my god this is really hard you know, because I'm having to take responsibility for my actions, for my thoughts, for my feelings, for my belief, and most importantly, my filters, yeah. because I'm hijacking and creating karma up here before it even registers, because the processor that I developed is binary. It's on and off. It's yes and no. It's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. So we have to bypass that. We have to, for our, we have to, that part of me that's watching what Jeff is doing has to watch that I don't hijack myself. And usually I don't figure it out until after I've stepped on something or someone. Yeah. And that's painful too. Of course it is. So, you know, it's, it's I'm laughing at this because it's just like, why would anybody like take this? Path? I know. But I know. the alternative, if you don't do it, we usually wind up having very complicated, difficult, often diseased life. Yeah. And it's a slow, painful, aging death, as mm-hmm. opposed to more of an acute fever. Ah, and then, you know, yeah, transformation. So I think we, that's part of the programming, you know, just take a pill and suppress the symptom. And yet the symptom is the divine expression, metaphorically, of exactly where to look. Yes. My lungs are hurting. That's about life force. My heart is ailing. That's about love. Yeah. My liver is toxified. That's about fear, right? Or anger. Yeah, anger, yeah. So these are about that judgment. Yeah. And the body and spirit is always talking. The elementals are always talking. The mountain spirits are always talking about linking back into what you talked about earlier. And so if we learn to listen and see the signs, the symbols, the languages, the communications, mm-hmm. you know, just the other day, I got a, a little piece of metal stuck in my right rear tire of my car and got a flat tire. And so I said, oh, that's my masculine side in the back in the past. Oh, yeah, that's that aspect of my past that's up for healing right now. And I am not paying attention to it enough because I just got home and I'm busy with things and it's giving me a flat tire. And other people say, oh, that's just a coincidence. And I'm like, no, no, (laughs) it's direct communication saying, yeah, you're going to learn an expensive way because you're going to have to wind up getting four new tires. Oh, if I get new tires, that's a metaphor for how... I contact the earth and 
the traction I get. I have much better traction. Yes. So it's constantly talking. We just have to learn how to listen so that if I would have ignored that tire and gone fast down the highway, and let's say that tire blew out Mm -hmm. and it caused a car crash and some injury, that's a much harder way to wake up, a much more expensive way to wake up. Yeah. And what I found over time and in speaking with the spirits is that if we don't do the work consciously and we don't ask for help, then the allies of consciousness, the shadow is going to do it for us. Smack, smack, smack. So it's really our choice and our free will to choose how we want to do it. And I always just invite people to take the efficient route. I love that. And at the same time, I would say don't quit your relationship, quit your job, sell your house and shave your head and and go live somewhere out in nature because that's traumatic too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Really take what you have and mold it perhaps into something new, you know, mm-hmm. you know, remodel it, you know, tune the guitar to a higher frequency yeah. and then play that music. And it's, it's a process. Yes. Yeah. And be kind to yourself while you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> if you can, if you can remember. <laughs> oh i'm really enjoying this conversation thank you i know thank you thank you um do you feel like there's anything else i think we're coming towards the end of this conversation i feel um but if there's something else that you feel that's alive to be spoken to i think it's just a really powerful and almost necessary time to have a touchstone to have community because we are going through the contractions of birth into the new era to such an extreme. And there are forces at play here that might even be causing earthquakes, you know? And so I would just say that trust is really important and our minds are the most powerful weapons of all. And so when the, Velcro appears that wants you to stick to it of judgment or separation or any of that stuff. Just try to resist and come back to the heart and take care to just hold the intention of the light beyond the storm. You know, the storm comes over the horizon, it blows, it breaks things, and then it passes. So my my invitation is be the holy tree of life and have your roots really well anchored so the wind doesn't topple you over. But make sure you grow high enough above the clouds so you remember the sun's there all the time, no matter how windy it is down here. And learn to, you know, bow gracefully in the wind and and not get caught up in other people's stories. And it'll stretch you. It's the biggest yoga you can ever do, you know. So you could call it bhakti yoga, you know, your relationship with the divine. And just have a lot of fun on the in the process of doing it. And, you know, if you fall down and start to toe. You know, I remember Eckhart Tolle years ago saying, like, you know, at this time we've reached a place where you can completely spontaneously awaken by doing anything. You can stub your toe on a couch and whatever did it because we're that close now. And um, lots Mm -hmm. of faith. Mm -hmm. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. That was beautiful. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for being with me today. Yeah, sure. And I look forward to hopefully more soon. Sounds great. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Thank you.